I think they knew this. <laughs> I think they knew they were headed down a, a bad road because they, they stepped it up with the music. <laughs> oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> Uh, hello everyone, this is Alex. And this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is the podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to. And a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer over on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we're discussing the final four seasons of the WBCW's iconic superhero teen drama, Smallville. Based on the DC Comics' most popular franchise of all time, Superman, Smallville takes us into the inner world of a young Clark Kent as he navigates friendship and family, all while hiding the secret of his origins. We also get to explore the young hero's relationship with his would-be arch-nemesis and his greatest love, Lois Lane. So how well has Smallville aged a decade after its finale? Stay tuned. All right, everyone. If you missed either of the last two episodes, go back and catch up. Otherwise, if you're joining us from last week, here are some critical details about Smallville. The series is classified as action, adventure, drama, and superhero. It was developed by Alfred Goh and Miles Miller um, based on the comic, uh, the Superman comic franchise by DC Comics, which was um, written by Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel. It was released from October 16, 2001 through May 13, 2011. Um, the WB for the first five seasons and the CW for the last five. Smallville had a total of 10 seasons and 217 episodes. The series stars Tom Welling as Clark Kent, Kristen Crew as Lana Lang, Michael Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor, uh, Allison Mack as Chloe Sullivan, Annette O'Toole as Martha Kent, John Schneider as Jonathan Kent, John Glover as Lionel Luthor, Sam Jones III as Pete Ross, Erica Durance as Lois Lane, Laura Vandervoot as Kara Zorel, otherwise known as Kara Kent, Clark's cousin, Aaron Ashmore as Jimmy Olsen, and last but not least, Justin Hartley as Oliver Queen. There's a lot of new and interesting characters that are brought into these last four seasons. Um, so let's talk about it. Season seven was actually the, sh the shortest season of Smallville with only 20 episodes. Let's talk about this season and what made it good, bad, and a little bit basic. So <laughs> in episode one of season seven, Clark confronts a version of himself like some on some weird doppelganger type of thing yes bizarro 
Bizarro. Uh, Chloe is also pronounced dead at the hospital, but she somehow manages to resurrect in the morgue. And Lana is alive and well and living in Shanghai. This is a season where they really try to like remind us of the fact that Lana is supposed to be part Asian. <laughs> oh yeah, because like Kristen Kirk is like is half Chinese, and they always coded her as like white. <laughs> and I guess they- now they're like, oh no. <laughs> They stripped old girl of all type of culture until it was trendy. And then they put those uh, chopsticks in her hair and they're like, and they put her in China and they're like, she's Asian now. Yeah. They're like, yeah, this like her Asian heritage, which like they didn't particularly care about before. And um, I don't know that they, st- I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't try to understand white people, but aesthetic but that's about it (laughs) yeah they like the aesthetic um but yeah we open with bizarro season seven opens with uh lex having after the whole thing that happened lex was in was arrested and put in the car right because like they were like oh you murdered lana but like lana's not dead she just whatever but he's in the car and he's like drowning. And as he's drowning, he sees uh, Kara, who is in suspended animation, um, who apparently has just been floating in that lake this whole time. That's cool. This entire time. This entire time, actually. <laughs> like, like all of the time. And when he has his accident, she rescues him and he believes he was touched by an angel. Yeah. And uh, I'm not really sure why she was here and why she didn't come out sooner, but there we have it. There we have it. Well, allegedly it's because, like, there was a malfunction. Like, her ship, when it crashed... Because the whole thing is, is that, you know, she sent to... When they when Baby Clark is sent in the destruction, she is also going. She was supposed to go as well to, you know, watch out for him and, like, take care of him. Like, she was the designated, <laughs> like, responsible person. But there was, like, a malfunction, I guess, on her ship that, like, did not take her out of suspended animation in time. For her to like wake up the same time that Clark woke up or whatever, so that she could, you know, raise him and look after him, apparently. Right. That's how we're supposed to understand five, it. Like five in human years, and she was already 18 in human years. And she's been in suspended animation, which is why she's still 18 in human years. Um, it almost reminds me of Roswell. Y'all remember when we reviewed Roswell, right? Where um, the three of them, like Michael, Isabel, and Max, like they all landed together, but Michael got separated from the group. And, you know, he already had a, a mistrust of humans. So when the, the couple that would adopt Max and Isabel showed up, he stayed away and they got adopted and he was like placed in foster care. Right. Right. 
Um, it, it was definitely giving me that type of energy. Like, you know, you make one small decision or there's one small error and it completely changes the course of your life. Um, so when Kara gets out of suspended animation, Clark is technically older than her. Um, it's not lost on me how all like the Kryptonian men are brunettes and how all the Kryptonian women are blonde. I feel like that's like white colorism, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, do what you gotta do. I, I see the, I see the brunette erasure, but Kara is actually not a bad addition to the show. There are several bad additions to the show as we continue these last four seasons. She's not necessarily a bad one. And you guys remember her from Unreal. She played the older sister. I've always thought she was, there was something really interesting about her, but it's really hard for Canadian actresses to get on, I've noticed. Laura, um, oh, not Unreal, Instant Star. Yes, Instant Star. Thank you. You said Unreal. I was like, what? I was like, oh, no, she means. It's like, it's one of those shows. But yeah, it's Instant Star. She was the older sister. And I think it's really interesting to have Clark finally have someone who is a peer, right? A real peer. So I thought that was interesting. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to hold you. As much as I enjoyed Lana, the first four seasons, I was glad to see less of her. Listen, same. Like a, like we said in the last episode, like once Lana, once they, like, I think sort of back off on making Lana evil, her time on the show to me is done. Like she, like there's nothing about her that is wanted or compelling to me anymore. <laughs> Which sounds like, ooh, but it's how I feel. Yeah, I really think she left it all on the cutting room floor as evil Lana, and she just really didn't have anything left to give us. I'm going to be very honest with you. Same. She didn't have anything left. And that's, you know, that's that's fine. It's like Kristen Kirk is, is um, a very successful actress. She's the one... Which, by the way, if you had told me that Kristen Kirk, of all the people on this show, was going to go on to, like have the best career i would have laughed at you i really thought it was gonna be my girl allison mack like she's a she's been acting since i mean she's been acting and modeling since she was like eight i i I remembered her on that first episode i was like isn't that that girl from honey we shrunk ourselves (laughs) i thought it was either gonna be allison or 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 michael like those were the two that were like giving the most (laughs) they were giving listen I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold y'all. They carried the show. They carried it on their backs. Like, let me say something. That show wouldn't have gone past season three, and I stand on that. Michael Rosenbaum and and Allison Mack for real, like, carried that shit on their backs, which is why when everything happened with the sex call, I was like, "Girl, you was doing what?" Wild. I was like, "Now here you are, like a a good actress, like." you know, good at what you do. Like, what do you do? Like, what are you doing? Like, I said, it's a talent. It's a waste of talent for me. It's a waste of talent. And I, but I guess it just goes to show you, you can be beautiful. You can be like super talented, but like if emotionally or like mentally, you just feel broken in some way, like people will take advantage. Like predators will see that and, and exploit that in some way, um, which sucks. So that that inner work that we all have to do, I think, to to be okay and to heal ourselves is is very vital. So make sure you go out and, and do that. 
her legacy as an actress is more or less untainted because she did she did good work. That's not that's undeniable. Fat kids is why we don't envy other people because you don't know their life. That's true. You, you don't know le- their life. You don't know their life because um, sis was down bad. She, she was down, down so bad. I feel very solid and very secure knowing that at now that I'm closer to 40 than 30, that would probably never be me. I'm past the 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 cult initiation outreach age. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um I'm even though like I I'm I would say like I'm I'm late twenties, but like closer to my late twenties, but like even being closer to my late twenties, like I think that's it. Like I'm I'm past the cult initiation phase. Like I'm not there anymore. <laughs> they're like that bitch is old this is too hard let's move on let's move on um and speaking of moving on so this season seven is interest so season seven the whole thing in season seven is that is like basically introducing us to kara we also are introduced to like martian manhunter and like lex is super like I don't want to say infatuated because that makes him sound very creepy, but he's very enamored with Kara and he thinks that she is going to change his life and get him on a right path morally. Which I mean, sweetheart, <laughs> it is, it's Martian Manhunter. So like, yeah, we're introduced to Martin Martian Manhunter who is um, also very famous, like in the Superman universe. Um, uh, Superman, Supergirl universe. Uh, and I mean, in terms of like Lex and Kara, I don't know, like you just sort of, you've just been accused of murdering your wife, Lex. Like maybe That's take a beat. Your girlfriend. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not it. Right. Like take a beat, take a moment, um, to sort yourself. Uh, but, oh, also season seven is a seven where they, where is the season where they start really trying to sell us <laughs> on this Clark Lois situation? Yeah. So let's talk about all the ways that this is dark sided. <clears throat> I'll begin. <laughs> um, this season had a lot of guest stars. It had Christina Milian. It had Kim Coates. Um. It, there was a lot of people. There were Dean Kane. None of this could distract us from how forced the relationship between Lois and Clark was. Very. None of it. I don't care how much smoke and mirrors you put. You cannot change what is and what isn't. The only person that Lois had real chemistry with, well, not actually, it was a couple people, was Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. And AC, a.k.a. Aquaman. Oh, yeah, That's, that was a moment. That was a moment, too. Like, they were kind of fire. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but her and Clark eh, did that. Did it. And they, But the, here's the thing, you guys. They never did. They never did. Like, I would have liked it if the, the, the producers had realized these two have zero chemistry. So let's just keep that banter of, you know, that kind of weird sibling energy and then end the series on the note of we're leaving each other's lives, but our paths will cross again one day. 
and maybe allow the audience to believe that when they meet again, their relationship will be different. Because this was not giving. I have never, ever, ever been less invested in a couple than this. (laughs) Same. I've never been less invested. And I feel like the more... When it ha- like the more they start introducing it and and sort of trying to sell us on this romance is the more I'm completely unenamored with it. Like it's it feels so forced. <laughs> like they just do not like it. Like it, there's nothing there, and I I it's it's like ugh, it's really kind of it's painful to watch. Tom Welling and Erica Durance appear to be people who would be very good friends and probably are very good friends off screen. But that's all it's giving. Right. It's giving, like, we're great friends. Yeah, it's... And that's what makes a relationship feel not just very forced, but borderline incestuous. Right. Because there is, like, a sort... Like like we said before, there's, like, a hardcore... Uh, big brother, little brother, not big, big brother, little brother, but like there's a hardcore like big sister, little brother energy between them, um, and it doesn't, and that, and it's just not, um, it's not working. So season seven is the season where Lex kills Lionel, which like, whoa. Yeah, here's the thing about that. A lot of people like to see that this is basically what solidifies Lex's arc as a villain. Like, the villain arc, right? hmm Like, he killed his father. <gasps> Ghastly. But, like, it had to be done. Lionel Luther had to die one way or the other, and he seems to have, like, 18 lives. Forget nine lives. The man is harder to kill than cockroaches. Um... If Lex didn't kill him, the only thing that would have happened, honestly, is he would have antagonized and goaded and set up and masterminded uh, uh, events in his son's life in such a way that Lex would have only turned out worse. Right. I mean, it's I when and I and it's hard because it's it's actually kind of weird because so season seven does a whole like. Like, does a true reversal with Lionel where, like, Lionel becomes, like, the ally of Mm. all these people of, like, Team Clark. Which is strange to me because, like, we just spent, like, what, five, six seasons watching him, like, try to destroy these people? Right. like (laughs) Doing some very questionable things. His whole life. He's been this way his whole life. This is the man who killed his parents' In a house fire for money, you guys. Don't y'all try to retroactively uh, uh, salvage his character now to make me feel bad that he's getting killed. <laughs> right. Like, it's weird. Um, and so, like, it's it's super, super weird. So, uh, you know, and he's they've done this role reversal where Lionel's now trying to help uh, team team Clark and Lex is the one that is, you know, obstinately evil and, and ghoulish. Uh, but, um, which honestly, 
I don't like because it feels also forced. <laughs> it feels forced and it's not it's it feels forced and it sort of releases the great the I think all the tension that's been building between Lex and Lionel for like seven seasons. You know what I mean? Mhm. It's the part of to talk about like Succession a bit even though I know you know I I don't I don't think you watch Succession. Mhm. But Part of what is so exciting, I think, about the struggle between uh, Kendall and Logan is that they are in a sort of, they are in a constant battle of wills and like you just don't, and you can, you know, guess who's going to come out on top, but you don't really know until you know, until the writers reveal. And, um that's sort of what's been happening with Lex and Lionel. They have both been locked in a battle of wills because they are essentially the same person and you don't know who's going to win out. And so to turn Lionel or to retroactively make Lionel a good character takes the excitement out of that. It takes the excitement out of the, the rivalry of these two characters. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense what you're saying. Um, But like, you know, like we said, it's forced because it's too little too late. You guys always showed us a Lex that came from bad circumstances and had a horrid upbringing, but always had the best of intentions. If you really wanted to lay the groundwork like this, you could have presented the same Lex to Clark and a different Lex to audiences. Do you understand? Right. Um. You know, he could have always had those foul intentions. He could have always had some creepy agenda that Clark wasn't aware of, but we were. Uh, It could have always been a situation where Jonathan Kent was right about him. This would have solved the issue of painting Lex as the villain and not making us hate Clark's dad so much. But you didn't do any of those things. You had Clark and Lionel literally swap consciousnesses And that is what it took. That is what it took to quote unquote cure the evil that was in this man. Right. Which is like, okay. For him. And how long until that shit wears off? Right. Um, (laughs) And it's like, I mean, and it's, it's hard because they've, I mean, it's, and it's weird. It's weird. And it's hard because, they presented Lex as like a really comp as like a really complicated figure. Um, and I guess they don't know. I think there's just like a general dropping of the ball of like how to to take that to its natural conclusion. Even though I do think Lex killing Lionel is a natural conclusion, but um is somewhat natural, I guess. But yeah, this is the season. Where Lex, uh, all like, uh, kills Lionel. This is also the season where Lana becomes like a superhero, kind of. Like, I don't. Yeah, she gets herself a little powers this season, and I'm just like, not y'all trying to give us a glimpse into what relationship her and Clark could have. <sighs> and it's so weird. Like, yeah, this is like, and it's so weird because it's like they're trying. And this is something that you remarked on earlier. And I think in private that like now, like let's talk about it, but it's 
it's this it's the fundamental it's a fundamental problem of the show that they're trying to build us to this eventual Lois Lane relationship, but we have an entire season, season seven, of like Clark and Lana fully realized. And I actually don't hate it. Like I'm I'm still it's still a little murky on how and why she has those powers and like why Lana. But like it's actually fun to see them together without any of the lies and the subterfuge and you know the hindrances of him being Kryptonian and her being human and what that means physically, right? Like they can just be. Cause the only time they've had sex prior to this was when he was stripped of his powers and they were together. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, he's not on that Edward Cullen shit, so he's not gonna be out here b- literally breaking some woman's back. <laughs> um, but I actually like it. I thought that whole little montage of them fully realized, as you say, was mad cute. But why are you showing me this? It only makes Lois and Clark that much more awkward. <laughs> right. Like, and that's that's the point. It's like you're the whole thing is that is the whole thing is that I'm supposed to be caring about I you know, we're we're that's what we're moving to. We're moving to Clark and Lois, but instead you're just giving me you're investing more you're investing uh more like energy into this ultimately uh doomed relationship between Clark and Lana however how it, how it will be doomed who knows but like it is doomed because we know we all sort of know the basic superman story we all know that it is um Clark and Lois and it's uh, yikes um so uh, so yeah, she has a her like she gets a little power. There's like a whole thing where they have like super sex, like they cause earthquakes, which I think is kind of dumb, but like also kind of cute, I guess. And environmentally irresponsible, right? Like, I mean, I guess it's um a whole thing. So, uh, season seven is basically is sort of another i don't know if it's like a retread of season six but it's definitely more of like a lex and clark are you know mortal enemies they are gonna kill each other like they do there's a lot there's more like they have more where they talk to each other and there's like they have like all these really intense like you know queer feeling speeches (laughs) with each other about like I loved you like you know <laughs> there's like at one point Clark it's uh, it's very much breakup it is it's very much like we're breaking up and like I don't want to break up but like we are breaking up and Clark does this whole thing of like I tried to be there for you like I loved you and it's like and you you were never you know whatever and Lex is like but you Oh, yeah, Clark is like, you were just caught caught up in yourself and your delusions of reality, and you couldn't see, like, the love I had for you. And Lex is like, but you was always lying to me. You was always lying, and I knew you was lying. So, like, how... It's very... It's very, like... Speech after that time you left him in that... In the, in Belle Reve. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. 
it's very like I, I came to your daddy's funeral, like, and I knew that you you did something to him, but I always held you down. It's 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 giving. I don't know what it's giving, but it's giving something very dramatic. <laughs> it's giving uh, scenes from the end of a marriage. It's giving marriage story. It's giving. It's they don't, they don't quite hate each other that much. It's not giving marriage story. <laughs> That's next level hatred. I don't think they reached that tier yet. It's not giving me, but it's definitely giving like scenes from the end of a marriage, scenes from a marriage that uh, that Jessica Chastain, Oscar Isaac joined on HBO Max. It's giving. It's definitely giving that very dramatic, very like we're all crying, very I love you, but I can't be with you anymore. I've got to move on. I've got to, you know. They're both listening to Lemonade, you know, like it, that's that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, Lex. I mean, Lex has been listening to Pray You Catch Me uh, for for years now. Years, <laughs> years, years. And when he caught you whispering for real, and all of his suspicions were realized, it was ring the alarm. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> Oh, I hate it so much. But yeah, that was that was actually hard to watch um, because it felt like a breakup and because Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum always had really great on-screen chemistry. They very much feel like best friends. And they still did even after the dissolution of Clark and Lex's friendship. Right. Like, they always look like they're fighting not to run into each other's arms and shit. <laughs> Right. They are. They're always like, I, I love you. Like, you know, it always feels really, really, really tense, really tension. So season seven ends with uh, Lex goes to the fortress of solitude to fulfill his own sort of destiny that he's accepted to be, quote unquote, the villain of the story. I think it's wild that like, Lex is literally standing in the fortress of solitude and Clark is still like, you know, girl, I'm not really super <laughs> Like, he tries it at first. He does. Which is he... goofy as shit. <laughs> like, sir. <laughs> like, sir. Um, but, uh, and so, like, that's how it ends. It ends with, like, Lex putting, like, some sort of, like, weird poison thingy into the Fortress of Solitude to, like, uh, defeat Clark or whatever and the the fortress um collapses and that's how we end season seven season seven good bad or basic um the performances were quite good um some of the plot points however were a little bit basic so I'm I'm straddling that line what about you same. I'm like, I'm into the idea that it's like a, I'm here for the, for the idea that it's a, like, I'm going to say like basic plus only because, of, and it's basic plus for like the performances. Cause I do think we get some really incredible performances still. Yeah. I agree with that. And at the risk of sounding like a hater, I think Erica Durance is seems like a nice person and she's a good actress, but I think she was miscast. I think she's severely miscast in this role. Yeah. I mean, severely miscast to the point where for the, for the longest time I was sure before she shows up, actually, I was sure that, um, 
and, and not even before she shows up. Like, when she shows up, I was sure that the plot was going to resolve in, like, her somehow, like, she would die. And then Chloe, like, in honor of her, would take her name and be, like, and start. And then her, Chloe's byline at the Daily Planet would be Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. And then, like, she would be known as, a, and that and that was how, like, they were going to resolve it. It was that, because I, I know you don't think Clark and Chloe have good chemistry, but I always thought they had really great romantic chemistry. And I always felt like Allison Mack really sold it. So I was I- like. I think I think that I think that uh, that Tom and Allison have really good chemistry. Like we got a glimpse of that at the school dance, and then later on, when in that parasite episode, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like the chemistry is undeniable. I, I feel like Allison Mack could have had chemistry with a lot of people on the show. I'm going to be real with you. I also thought that there was untapped potential between Lex and Chloe. I'm going to leave that at that. But y'all, <laughs> you missed it. You missed it. Yeah, and I thought it would, like, I always thought the plot would resolve in some way that it would be, um, yeah, like, and then somehow Chloe would become Lois Lane, and it would be, like, a fun little twist of the mythology. But, like, see, but then I was, like, watching the show, it's like, oh, no, they're, like, committed to this Erica Durant person. You know what I thought it was going to be? I thought that um, before Lois shows up, obviously, um, that... You know how Lana and uh, Chloe lived together briefly and they started calling each other sister. I thought that after Lana fakes her death, she would take on the name Lois Lane. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's also really good. That's legit. I fuck with that. I was like, okay, this shit makes sense. This is his great love, this human woman that he can't. It makes like it makes perfect like, sense. You've already established this, this guideline of they are romantically interested in each other, period. Um, but this whole Chloe has a cousin named Lois Lane that we've never met. And then she shows up and then it's not giving. It's, oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, um, because Anyways. Lana, Lana, Lane, Lana Lang and Lois Lane are not a reach. Like she can keep the same initials. It made sense to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The whole, was, was garbage just other ways it could have been resolved season eight of smallville we think that maybe they can like make up for what's not giving but they don't it actually gets worse so season <sighs> eight is 22 episodes long um season eight and season 10 are actually my least favorite seasons i'm just gonna put that on the table right now that's fair and like honestly yeah like yeah, so season eight opens with, you know, Lex's Michael Rosenbaum has like now quit the show, and so he's gone. So we have like a new, like wait, Lex. wait, wait, stop! He didn't quit. His contract expired. It's a difference. He didn't leave us hanging. The network left him hanging. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, that is what happened. He was Allegedly, to- for somebody who is no longer on the show, they sure do say his name a lot. Um, they I sure mean, do not. How can you not? There, is there a Superman without a Lex Luthor? Is there? Is, exactly. And here we are. We're about to find out. Seasons 8 through 10. <laughs> um, so we're introduced to a brand new CEO of Luther Corp. Her name is Tess. They try to make her evil. I don't know. She's not evil. She's not giving anything that Lex gave. She's 
honestly just here and I don't really want to talk about her that much. Um, but because, you know, nobody knows where Lex's body is after this, after the, the collapse of the fortress on top of, of him and Clark respectively. Chloe meets a dashing young EMT, Smallville EMT medic in the form of Sam Witwer. It's the actor's name is Sam Witwer. I don't remember the character's name. Davis. 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 Yes. I can understand Chloe's fascination with Davis um, because there's something between them that didn't exist between her and Jimmy and never would. Right. I mean, shout out to Sam Witwer. He's also, Sam Witwer is also one of these people I was talking about, like, I really like Sam Witwer. He's a Canadian character actor that, like, hangs out on, like, a lot of um, American shows. And he is really good whenever he shows up. Um, He always, usually he's, like, a villain, but he, he's... He does, like, this really, like, sexy, like, brooding, tortured villain thing that um, a lot of men actually don't do well, to be honest. Um, It's very... The ability to be simultaneously, like, shitty, um, but to still make me feel for you is actually, like, a hard one to nail, it's a, I think it's a really hard mood to nail. And he usually comes in and nails it. That That's, like, kind of his zero. Also, shout out to that face. He's got, like, very, I think, classic, very symmetrical features. And then, like, his chin is, like, really great. Like, his jawline could, like, cut glass. And remember, I have a theory on this. I feel, I feel like when white men are too good looking, they always get cast in the villain role. Mm-hmm. Um, we have exceptions like a Tom Welling who has, you know, good bone structure, good jaw, good facial symmetry. But he has that very aw shucks quality that a yeah. lot of them like the Henry Cavills and the Sam Witwers. People don't want to believe that they're good people. They always get cast as villains. <laughs> they are. That's true. There, There is something villainous about them. Um, take note, Chris Evans. But um, yeah, because Chris Evans is really missing his calling, and I hate that for him. I hate that for him. I hate that for him. Um, um, stop trying to grow. Like, lean into villainy. Lean into it. Be the evil white man that we know you are. <laughs> um, I like talk. He's not evil, like, evil monster, like Sam Witwer plays, but I think, like, in a psychological thriller or psychological drama, like, the guy who does, like, the mind fuck shit, like, Chris Evans was born for that type of role. Listen, yeah, like, if Malcolm and Marie had started, had starred some white people, like, Chris Evans is Malcolm. He's absolutely a Malcolm. <laughs> he is so Malcolm. Like, he absolutely, like, I was like, in fact, I wonder if, like, oh, honestly, that movie could have hit harder. <laughs> like, had it if it had been him it would have been it would have been so bad i would have vomited but it would have been incredible yeah yeah i, I would be vomiting and throwing up but like it would have been incredible because <laughs> when he kind of like smiles at you like oh yeah like i really care and that shit doesn't really quite reach his eyes Ryan Johnson is literally the only person who picked up on this, which is, and his role in Not Is Out is part of the reason why that movie was great. On Smallville. Smallville. By season eight. Could have been great, but it wasn't. Davis. It was. 
And Chloe, it was giving baby. And I think by this point, somewhere in this season, Chloe and Jimmy become engaged. Yes. Yeah, she's well. That's the thing. She's Chloe's engaged to Jimmy from the top. <laughs> yeah, they're engaged, and um, everything's and, smooth, and they're lukewarm, lackluster ass relationship. But enter Davis. Enter and Davis, the and she is undeniable. Everybody sees it. Clark sees it. Jimmy sees it. Lois sees it. Uh, Chloe's in denial, and Davis. It, Davis sees it. Davis is like. Babe, I think you're you might be the one. She's like, I got a man though, I'm engaged. And I'm like, engagement don't mean shit, baby. Don't let your fiance keep you from your husband. And it's really fucking wild how like Clark, because Clark always the way Clark treats Chloe is that like he kind of always acts like she's in his back pocket. Like he can like if he were to ever be like, Yeah, girl, like let's do it, like she'd come running. God, yeah, it's very ugly. It's give it's giving very much placeholder. It's giving like you're the one. If there's no one else, right? Like it, if 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 Lana's not here, if Lois is not here, Alicia's obviously no longer in the picture. Then it's you. Then it's you. Then it's you. And it's wild how like Clark is so unthreatened by Jimmy, but when Davis shows up, Clark is very threatened by Davis. <laughs> because <laughs> he feels- no, Jimmy ain't, Jimmy is not a fucking threat. Period. He's never gonna be. Like Clark is like, so what you doing? Always hanging around, sniffing around Chloe. What's what's up with that? <laughs> like, sir. Yep, yep. We hate it so much. We hate it so much. Uh, for her, so much. David, baby, that's fire. And so it turns out he's not altogether what he appears. He's not altogether human, but he's still trying to be with Chloe. And uh, y'all gotta forgive me. You gotta give me some grace. Um. Because I was very young when this aired. Okay, I wasn't that young. It was 2008. I was 23. But I digress. I was still shipping (laughs) Davis and Chloe. Even after he turned out to be a monster, a literal monster. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, so Davis doesn't, like, Davis has a problem where, like, Davis is, like, losing time. He's losing time. um, And during that time, he doesn't know what's happening. And we, the audience, find out that, like, he, like, he, um, is Dark Seed, uh, which is a, another sort of famous villain in the Superman canon. He's, like, a big, like, scary monster, and he's kind of the only, and, uh, the battle, sort of, between Dark Seed and Clark is, like, really intense because, um, he can really... Darkseed is, like, can really, like, fuck up Clark. And it's really serious when it happens. And then there's, like, Chloe and Jimmy being, like, attacked at their engagement party. hmm And then uh, there's the whole timeline of Doom later on. And Chloe and Jimmy's wedding is still on. But ultimately, Jimmy leaves her because she essentially believes Davis over him. Right. And I feel like that was long overdue because when she did that, she made it very clear where her loyalties lied, right? Like you've been knowing Jimmy since you were teenagers, since you interned at the Daily Planet. And you're gonna believe this dude that like literally just got here. Right, exactly. Like, so and to be honest, Chloe, you weren't really feeling Jimmy anyway. <laughs> she wasn't. Chloe 
the Chloe centric, the Chloe centricness of season eight was the only thing saving season eight. Um, everything else was very up in the air. Jimmy was as lackluster, lackluster as ever. Clark and, like you said, the way that he tries to keep Chloe in his back pocket was as annoying as ever. Watching Clark and Lois try to figure out their quote-unquote feelings for each other was also very annoying. <laughs> it was annoying. So, so season uh, eight ends with... Um, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy dies. Jimmy... <laughs> Jimmy gets dead trying to like help defeat Davis and it's all very and that's when Chloe's finally like oh my gosh I should have taken you for granted but girl not only that it's like Jimmy is the one that like kills Davis where Clark and Oliver uh, had both failed and so we end the season with Chloe you know crying at his funeral Chloe and Clark being like it's okay girl because at least I'll be around <laughs> as if that means anything. And that's how we um, end season eight. So season eight, good, better, basic. Season eight. If it was just Chloe and not all these other side stories, it would have been good. But as it was, I'm going to give it a bad plus. Um, the only redeeming <sighs> thing about season eight was the Chloe and Davis and Jimmy a love triangle. I use love loosely. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not giving Jane Michael Raphael. It's not giving Elena Stefan Damon. It's very. <laughs> right. Cause like they never, the, I, and that was kind of what was lame, honestly, about the, the Davis Jimmy triangle thing. It's like, they don't, she didn't even get to throw it back on Davis. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they don't even let her. Jimmy are fucking that's implied, but like you can't even imagine them fucking. They're so right. I was like, you know, let her get a little, a little, you know, they didn't want to take it there, but they should have taken it there because that would have been epic. But oh well, here we are. So season nine, season nine is like probably season nine is where I super hardcore check out of this show. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Season nine, I had to watch from start to finish and I watch it from start to finish and I remembered not a single episode. <laughs> not a single episode even though even though i had watched it uh when it aired and i watched it again six years ago i remember not every single time i watch season nine i i it, it gets canceled out <laughs> listen uh, i don't like i can't tell you really anything about what's happening in season nine and season ten that's how ridiculous both of these are to me Okay, so there was a whole storyline of Davis being a monster, but, like, Lois was the monster's mother, apparently. Like, there was something going on with her in season eight as well. She comes back in season nine with no memory, even though she's been gone for three weeks. Um, uh, Clark's feelings for her are stronger than ever. Could have fooled me. So strong that they're disrupting his training. Um, and so he, he, you know, he says goodbye to Lois. Zod has returned. Zod returned at the end of last season. Uh, Tess is zombie-esque this season. And she's in the hospital. 
And the Center for Disease Control is trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with her. But she has some Kryptonian illness. Um, there's a lot of, like, one-offs. That, it's not supposed to be one-offs, though. It's supposed to be cohesive, but nothing about season nine feels co- cohesive, if that makes sense. No, that's true. There's nothing about season nine that is cohesive. Uh, Julian Sands rolls through um, as Jor-El, the, uh, Clark's father, which is interesting because I've never seen him play a good person before. Like, if you are, if you're a 90s kid, you remember this guy most, most vividly from either the movies Warlock or Arachnophobia. Like, okay. he's character actors that specifically plays villains um and villains in sort of like mythology based or sci-fi based arena he's like the great value james marsters (laughs) not great value (laughs) yeah it's it's giving great value it's definitely not kirkland's best um this season was just up in the air i can't tell you a single thing that held my interest uh Lois and Clark kiss. Um, you know, they have their first kiss and it gives her a seizure. Like, how anticlimactic. <laughs> uh Tess kidnaps Lois this season. Uh Clark and Lois attempt to date this season, and she gets shot on their first date by an arrow. Again, super anticlimactic. The writers are doing absolutely nothing to allow me to suspend belief long enough to get behind this couple. It's garbage. It's absolute basura. They try again. They go to a bed and breakfast for the weekend. But then they get there and Chloe and Oliver are booed up. Right. A bed and breakfast. Oliver being Lois's ex. And the the sexual chemistry that existed between them still very much existent. I felt like season nine. And like season nine also does that hallmark thing that we've talked about before of like they introduce a lot of new people. There's a lot of like other heroes from the Superman like universe that come in for like episodes and arcs and when you're doing that it's always a problem (laughs) because it's like it it always gives like scrambling Mm -hmm. in season nine is no different and it's like I don't know all of it's just like ugh yeah, it's really, it's really ill. Um, it's not cohesive. It's not giving what it's supposed to give. And honestly, again, Alison Mack has come and see with everyone. Her and Justin Hartley look mad cute. Um, that's not the point. The point is Chloe should have never been dating Oliver. <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, it is cool. I think the only thing that I, I think I fuck with heavy about season nine is like, um, and you, and even this, I'm like, I'm kind of like cool with it, but there's another part of me that's like, why is like, I don't know. Chloe like officially becomes like Clark's sidekick, <laughs> like official. She has like a, a thing called like the watchtower. 
And essentially, like, it's her... Granted, this isn't that different from, like, season... I guess what their relationship has always been is that, like, Chloe does the research and then Clark does, like, the the heroing. But she does, like, make her position super official. She gets, like, a bomb apartment. Like, you know, she really lines her shit up. But it, it is... There is a part of me that's, like, if that that it's tragic to watch like Chloe sort of like quit the daily planet and, and get away from that part. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I didn't like this turn because it was never specifically Chloe trying to be Clark's sidekick. Right. It's like Chloe is a journalist. The things that she's investigating happens to be the things that, uh, he's trying to figure out. Right. It was always her research helping him as, like, a side effect. If that makes sense. Yeah. It was never her prioritizing him in that way. Right. I don't like it. I don't fuck with it. Y'all can keep that. Um, Season nine might be one of the worst seasons of Smallville. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I I know I said earlier that season eight and 10 were my least favorite. No, it's actually season nine. And the reason I didn't realize that was because I keep forgetting this boring ass season. Right. And you know what? And, and you know what part of it's so fucking boring is because it's a very Lois and Clark set, like centered season focused season. Oh my it's, gosh, yes. And they can't carry that show with that lack of chemistry. They can't. They can't. They can't do it. It's so... I'm just like, oof. Take this away from me. <laughs> like, I mean, and nothing... And and like I said, they do all the things. They introduce all the, the DC heroes and villains to try to punch it up. And none of it saves them. Like, none of it works. I'm still just, like, annoyed and bored <laughs> that I have to watch these people who have no chemistry. Like, um, uh, work with each other. And it's interesting, like, we, you know, we've been doing, we already have, like, two of these episodes out. And... I've read some of, and like, you know, we've gotten some like mild engagement on um, them and it was wild to watch. It was really wild to get on Twitter and like read how like y'all apparently love Lois and Clark on Smallville and I, that does not compute to me like at all. Yeah. Like when we say Lois and Clark, we're talking specifically the 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 Smallville version, not the ABC version, like the Adventures of. And we're yeah, not- and that's who they were talking about. They're like, yeah, Lois and Clark Smallville. They love them, and I'm like, how? Yeah, they're. I think I was coasting off Legacy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold you. <laughs> I'm just. I'm curious. I don't understand. I want y'all to help me understand. Um, I don't get it, but. Season nine ends with um, Zod. Zod has, like, returned. And um, he's, you know, has a new vessel or whatever uh, in the form of um, this random dude. And uh, it's all about Clark uh, going to defeat to defeat Zod. But there's, I think there's like a time jump. They do like a time jump to the future. 
mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But it does end with with Clark and and Zod like battling it out uh, at the end, and um, Clark being victorious. Yeah, so I'm gonna give season nine a bad. <laughs> what about you? Good, bad, or basic? It's a bad for me. And I think it's bad for the reason that you just said. It's too Lois and Clark-centric, and y'all two are not. It's not pulling. Um, we needed more Chloe. Maybe bring Lex back into the fold, but you didn't do that. So season 10, very last season of Smallville. This season was 22 episodes long. Every season of Smallville is between 20 and 23 episodes. Like the season nine and season eight, as bad as they were, were still outdoing uh, other hit shows like Reaper and Gossip Girl. So I just want you to put that into perspective. Smallville was coasting off of less than mediocre while Gossip Girl, even when Gossip Girl was at its height. Right. Right. (laughs) Think about Smallville's powers are undeniable, period. So season 10 is the final season of Smallville. We're going, th- we're, they jumped into the sci-fi deep end this time. Season one, I mean, episode one of this season, we're already dealing with clones. There's Lex Luthor clones out here. And so season 10 is like, I don't know that I particularly like any of the episodes of season 10, but I do like that all of our favorite people like make return, like in terms of the actors, like make returns to come and say, uh, like, goodbye. And that is, like, really satisfying to me. Yeah. That's what's that's the only thing that's satisfying. We get one last look at Lana. We get one last look at Lex. But everything else that happened here was deeply re- regrettable and deeply forgettable. They tried to even intro- assemble the Suicide Squad this season. And I'm like, listen, I understand that that's part of the DC Comics universe as well. But why is it happening here? <laughs> Right, like why, like what, what now? Why now? You know, mostly dealing in things relating to Gotham. We're in Metropolis right now. Right, it's like you know, yes, like just like yeah, we're in Metropolis. This isn't Gotham. Like let's let's let Gotham go. You know, doing what you need to do in this side of town. So why don't we fix that instead of introducing more characters and more plot lines? Because why? Right. Um, Lionel comes back. John Glover is back with that full head of hair looking incredible. Um, and it's, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm happy to see Lionel back. <laughs> I was like, y'all really needed to, cause let me tell you, cause here's the thing. Like Tess is such a bad villain and this actress who plays her, like is not good at villainy. She's and, not. She looks like the type of person that actually the villain would would, would have as their mark. <laughs> right? And like she we needed we needed the true heavy hitter. And it's and I don't want to ho- wholly blame the actress cuz I also feel like the writing for her is also really tepid. I feel like the writing also the writers don't want to like make her a full like a true villain for whatever reason. Maybe they feel like white women aren't villains. I don't know. Like Maybe there's an element there because I feel like this is, I I feel like sometimes it felt, at least to me, it felt like there were definitely points at like throughout the series, particularly with the Lana character 
and with the test character and sometimes with other female characters where it would have made more sense that any time that they approach something like really complicated or and it would have made sense for them to be evil from like a complicated standpoint it's like the writers couldn't go there and it felt sexist it felt like from a sexist place of like no we can't because like they're delicate flowers or some bullshit like that um i don't have anything to prove this i'm just saying that's how it felt as an as an audience member so and i think that's part of the problem here as well like they're so focused on Tess, like, fucking, like, Oliver and being in love with Oliver that they don't, like, in having some sort of love interest, that they don't focus on, like, why she's evil. And that definitely feels like a, a form of, like, sexist writing. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. They, they, they half-assed it because they would not let them just... I don't like you said the actress who plays Tess. I don't think she's capable of it, but the actress who plays Lana, it, uh, Kristen Crew, is absolutely capable. She was, yeah. I think Lana, like Kristen Kirk, was absolutely capable, um, and they just didn't. Uh, and so, and like, yeah, I will say that was like a big problem for me with this Tess character was like she's supposed to be evil, but like she's so caught up in like oliver and it but and then it's like but why is she caught up in oliver like who cares like like the writing so i will say there's the writing for her is particularly not good so because of that we need back you know we we bring back the og the the number one uh the man who made it all possible with his luscious you know his beach waves his his two a his waves uh, going, which is a uh, uh, John Glover, aka Lionel Luther, to come and give us that that frighten, that scaring, and all that all that good villain energy that we love. Um, also, you know, in the in the finale, the two part finale, Lex comes back, and it's so nice to see Michael Rosenbaum. Um doing what he does best. He comes in and he nails it like he always does. And yeah, I guess it was nice to see Jonathan. I, I don't have a lot of love for Jonathan, <laughs> but I guess it was nice to see him. And, um, uh, they, uh, but they, oh my gosh, what am I saying? But they, but he comes through and he gives him like, Jonathan give gives uh Clark the 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 iconic Superman suit uh right and he's like go out there and save the world girl like go do that prosper and then that's what happens yeah that's what happens um we get our conclusion everything's wrapped up in a neat little package Clark, Lois and Clark are still boring. Chloe's still that bitch. Um, we we all missed Lex Luthor. I don't know what y'all were thinking, um, but you made us love the villain, and that's just what it's going to be. <laughs> I know. It's just what it's going to be. It's just what it's going to be. Um, I even miss Lana, honestly, by the end of the season. Not because I felt like they were actually doing something useful with her character, but because Lois and Clark were simply that boring. Yeah. 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 
Um, and and so season ten, good, bad, or basic for you? Super basic. Hard Super basic. Just an upgrade from last season, honestly. <laughs> Same, same. Like, it's a super basic for me as well. Uh, it's really basic. I... People say that Smallville ran too long. And at first, yes. I believe that because it's easy to blame that. But when you think about how long the comic franchise endured and all of the mistakes they made along the way, writing decisions, casting decisions... Um, decisions to write off certain characters like the the Pete Ross character. It was really an error of writing and production. The show didn't last too long because there is enough material in the Superman universe to have, um, you know, allowed for 10 seasons. Mm. Um, you, you, I mean... You fumbled. You fumbled a lot of bags. You fumbled a lot of opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also think it ran too long. I think that's right. Um, like, as it was, yeah. Like, after season seven, seven y'all were not giving. <laughs> 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 I mean, if they had tightened up that ship and expounded on the characters and the inner working and the inner lives of these characters as they existed season four and prior... We could have had a great 10 seasons. I mean, I feel you. I feel you. Um, I wanted, you know, but like, you know, Smallville is, is like, it. you know, it's still that show. It's like, I think it's legacy as like, you know, the first, not the first, like, but definitely one of, I think of our modern era of like the first like superhero show to like really work, work, work is, um, legit i think michael rosenbaum still is like the definitive lex luther like still like in any adaptation to be honest same and this is honestly a testament to his acting because like i said when we talked about season one when he first appears on screen he's a little scrawny and the lex from the comics and a lot of the movies is like super buff like, he looks like he's doing some type of CrossFit type of situation. <laughs> and I was like, did they even really cast this little string being as Lex Luthor? Luthor, but he quickly embodies the character in such a way that's undeniable. undeniable. And undeniable. And, like, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, no one, no one has yet to, like, match his performance. Kevin Spacey didn't, couldn't do it. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg certainly did not. Um, and these are the people who were like, and like Jesse Eisenberg, like he, like, uh, he's, he was in like, you know, the big Zack Snyder DC extended you like, you know, the, the big movies and he hasn't really, and he couldn't, Kevin Spacey couldn't, um, who was the other, I think there's been like one more John Cryer was the most recent one, I think on Supergirl. Um, and he certainly didn't, like, wasn't as good as Michael Rosenbaum. So, like, I think that's, I, wherever Michael Rosenbaum is, he should be very proud. Like, and this is something that I think is also, like, kind of, like, in the fan space, like, I, similar feelings of, you know, no one has yet to, like, be better than Michael Rosenbaum. Um, even now, I think... Uh, in the current sort of DC elements stuff that's happening on CW, um, 
they did, they did, oh, there was like a crisis on infinite universe, like they did crisis on infinite universes, which is like the multiverse and like Tom Welling and Erica Durrance showed up on like an episode of like the- Inviting Erica. I'm sorry, that was rude. (laughs) 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 Tom Welling. Uh, on Crisis of Infinite Universe, like, they go through the multiverse to, like, recruit all the heroes in all the sort of different, like, timelines and realities to help, like, defeat, like, a, a, a person or whatever. And Erica Durrance and Tom Welling show up to, and they do, like, a big shout out to Smallville. So, like, so Smallville's, like, you know, has, like, stood the test of time. And I think that's what's important. And, you know, shout out to everybody and and shout out to the show. Yeah, I will say this for the show. I don't feel like the show ruined the Superman franchise or ruined the legacy. And I still think that the Tom Welling, Michael Rosenbaum castings are some of the best casting decisions of all time. I think the invention of the Chloe and the Lionel characters were a stroke of fucking brilliance. And that's undeniable. Yeah, I mean, same. I think it's undeniable. Because when that story was good, I mean, it was good. It was compelling. I was, like, in it. I was like, oof, girl, I can't. Oof. Like, I mean, like, we were all in a chokehold. And, like, that's, you just can't deny it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really had a hold on us. Like, the show was iconic and celebrated. And I had it has a huge pop cultural imprint an impact. Um, Smallville is definitely one of those shows that if you had to put TV shows, like, you know, the most hard-hitting, impactful TV shows in a time capsule, Smallville would be in there. Definitely. I think, yeah. I mean, definitively. Without without question. And there you have it. This is everything that we think made the finale of Smallville good, bad, basic, and unforgettable. If you'd like to check out this series, Smallville is currently streaming on Hulu. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. If you're a patron, be sure to check out our Smallville playlist if you haven't already. Tune in next week as we keep this season going by recapping the first half of Fox's theological, mythological series, Lucifer. Lucifer is currently streaming on Netflix, so catch up. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, the Bad, the Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. You can find us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time. Bye, everyone.